You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. Your Seahawks Insiders joining you this week. It's Jen Mueller, the sideline reporter for the Seahawks, and John Boyle of Seahawks.com. And since we are the Insiders, John, what kind of insight do we have today? We're supposed to bring insight? Uh, Did you not get the memo on no. that one? Oh, all right. Shoot. Well, I tell you what, how about if we just <laughs> talk some Seahawks football? Forget about the insight. Let's just talk about what we know about the Seahawks football team. Does that work for you? That works great. Okay, fantastic. Now, there's a few things that are coming up as points of conversation over and over again since that week two loss against the Rams. So let's do this in the next few minutes. Let's kind of go back to what we know happened on Sunday, where the team stands with some injuries, and then let's start transitioning into what we can expect to see in week three against the 49ers. And, John, what were your big takeaways after that Rams game? Um, I mean, obviously, we got to start with the offense. It's just not where they want it to be yet. And they're, you know, anyone you talk to in that locker room or coaching staff is going to tell you that they're 15 points in two games is not enough. But there, there's some positive signs. They need to run the ball better. That's been a big part of it. They're getting a lot of, you know, second and third and longs, and then you get off the field and you're just not moving the ball. So if they can get a few things right, everybody feels like it's closer than maybe the score would indicate in terms of turning that corner. But they can get that cleaned up, just get playing a little better on offense because defense has been great so far. I mean, they're number one in the league right now in points and yards allowed. So it's just kind of getting getting that offense going a little bit. And when, when we see that, I think we're going to start to see the Seahawks look a little more like the Seahawks we've known for the last few years. Defense was kind of hard on themselves after that game, which is hard to imagine after allowing only three field goals. And they talked about the turnovers. Let's get to that in just a second, though. And let's go back to that run game. And there's so many different ways to dissect this. But how much of that run game and the lack of yards is due to injuries? You know, it's a part of it. I mean, for one, you can start with Jermaine Effetti is not playing. And he was a guy they were expecting a lot from. He was a first-round pick, had enjoyed a really good camp, really good preseason. All of a sudden, not only do you not have him, you lost him the Wednesday before the opener. So it was a very quick turnaround of having to put a new guy in there. Um, So that's an injury. Then you talk about Thomas Rawls has not quite been himself. He's, you know, coming back. Coaches have said he's maybe a little over anxious, just kind of just popping to get out. And then one more injury that's factoring in is the quarterback. When Russell Wilson is right. He's a big part of the run game, both in terms of what he does running and the threat he provides running that kind of keeps defenses maybe on their heels a little bit. So all those things are factoring in a little bit. And I will say I was a little bit surprised, and I shouldn't have been. But we knew that Russell Wilson had an ankle injury. We did not know until after the game that it was a high ankle sprain. I mean, you could have kind of suspected that along the week. When you watched him walk in the locker room or or watched him walk down the hall, he had no sign of a limp. So I think the way that he was treating it, you kind of just treat him like he is a superhero, Russell Wilson, everything's going to be great. Yeah, he'll be a little bit slower. But were you surprised by where his mobility was at on Sunday, just having watched him in the same way that that I did? A little bit, but I mean, we, we saw the injury happen. We saw the end of that game. So I think we all had an idea that it would not quite be the normal running around, scrambling, making extending plays, Russell Wilson. 
and I think, you know, he said he felt a lot better today than he did this time last week, and he'll be further along Sunday. So we'll see him get a little better. But, you know, until that thing's 100%, then he maybe needs to be a little bit different of a quarterback. But that's fine. He can be. I mean, we saw the second half of last season. He can thrive in the pocket, and I think we're going to see this offense. If they can, I really think it's going to start with get that running game. They don't need to average six yards a carry. They don't need to rush for 200 yards. But if it's, you know, a credible threat, if they're getting even those – three, four yards on first, second down, so you're in third and six instead of third and 12 or whatever it is sometimes. That's going to make all the difference in the world. And, you know, what is the best way to use him? I thought actually pass pro by the offensive line looked pretty good considering what they were going up against the Rams. But I think part of the mobility question with Russell is being able to get enough zip on some of those intermediate throws if, if you can't quite use your legs the same way, right? So what's the best way to use him right now if his mobility is going to be limited? You know, I think it's probably – what they were trying to do last week, just a few times it got away from him again with, with the situations, yards and all that. But it's going to be a lot of what we saw them do last year. They want to get that, you know, quick in rhythm passing game. And it's, it's it's important to remember that a quick passing game doesn't just mean short, quick passes. I mean, we saw him take shots downfield last season. We saw him do it last week. And they'll keep doing that. But it, it's really just going to be about getting the ball out on time, which is always a big deal for them. But it's especially so when he's maybe not as mobile. And just to put into perspective what Russell Wilson can do with the ball and running the ball, we have seen this from him where he makes these great Houdini escape type of plays, but it's also the actual yards that he racks up. And last year, he was running the ball four or five times a game. He was averaging seven yards a carry, and he was getting first downs. This year, he has run the ball five times. And he's averaging only a, a couple yards on each of those, and he has not made a first down running the ball so that right there and we we know that a lot of that is injury but just to put a little context on it's not just the escapability it is the actual yards that he can get on the ground yeah in that. yeah i mean it's it's a it's a part of their rushing game and it's not as big a part right now but i i think it will be you know maybe maybe not this week but soon so you mentioned Thomas Rawls and being a little bit over anxious. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see the enthusiasm and the fire that oh, he's yeah. got. He is super stoked to be on the field. And why has, can that be a detriment? I mean, this is a guy that you look at kind of the road he traveled. He's, he's a great Seahawks type story. They love these guys who maybe overcome some obstacles, have that chip on their shoulder. And he was playing so well last year. And just when he's, you know, hitting his stride and starting for him, he breaks his ankle needs surgery and he misses such a long period of time. So it's it's natural for any player, but especially a young guy who worked so hard to, to get that shot. He's gonna be excited. He's gonna be amped up and when he is it's you know, there's especially in zone blocking schemes, but for any running back, patience is a big deal. It's not just get the ball and run as hard as you can right away. It's it's finding the holes, hitting them right, timing it right with the line. And he also I mean this line's different than what he ran behind last year. He doesn't have the time with them. So it all kind of has to piece together in that run game, and I think he'll get there, but it's just, it just hasn't been quite timed up right so far. Which is kind of interesting because one of the knocks on Kristen Michael prior to this year is that he wasn't timed up quite right. Mm-hmm. He was the one that was getting there a little too quick that didn't have the same kind of patience that you saw with Marshawn Lynch for those years when everything yeah. was really in a groove. And so, yeah, just, just forcing it a little bit. And I don't know how much – how much should we be talking about the offensive line and how much of the challenges in the offense are for unrelated or different things? It's a, I mean, it's a lot of things. It, 
there's going to be focus on the offensive line. That's, I mean, it's been the storyline here for a while, especially last year, early in the season. And I think they, they definitely are part of the issue when the running game's not going well, but they're going to take probably more blame than they deserve. Cause that's sort of the, the nature of the conversation around the line. But yeah, it's, it's a new group. It's going to take them a little bit of time. It's not, it hasn't been the disaster some people want to make it out to be, but if they, they just fit a few things right and then the running backs kind of do it right behind them, I think we're going to – I mean, we saw in the preseason, they ran the ball really well in the preseason, which is one reason Tom Cable was a little disappointed in what he's seen so far because they kind of thought they were going to be able to count on that a little more. So it's, you know, everybody's got to kind of just – I think it's more incremental improvement from a lot of people than just this one guy needs to pick it up and they'll be fine. Well, also it would help not to face one of the top two defensive yeah, lines you in do the have to give credit to the opponent. I mean, yeah, those are two really, really good fronts they've faced. It, I, I shouldn't be surprised when I looked at this number because we've watched the game and analyzed the games, but Russell's been hit a total of 22 times this year. That's not it, ideal. It's not ideal. And yet it seems to me, and again, I, I understand that number is not great. It doesn't seem like it's been a jailbreak on every play. No. That there have been some opportunities, just missed opportunities. Yeah. And, you know – it's always going to be this way with Russell Wilson. It's always a little bit on him too, because he does extend plays and the plus side of extending plays is what we saw in Minnesota in the playoffs when he made that great throw to Tyler Lockett. The minus side is he gets beat up for it sometimes because he's going to hold the ball longer. He's going to maybe get a throw off and get hit, or he's going to take a sack that he could have thrown it away sooner. So that's not a great number. I think we'll see it go down, but again, to our earlier conversation, they faced two of the best defensive lines in the NFL. It, it sounds crazy when you look at all the hits he took last week, but everybody, you know, the linemen, the coaches all say they that was the best they protected against the Rams in a couple of years. And if you go back and look at those games, that really was better. Yeah, I, I thought he actually had time to complete some of those deep passes where I, I, I don't think he would have had that time. He, he certainly would have been throwing on the run and trying to escape any number of guys just – the way that that defensive front lines up for the Rams. So, yeah, I would agree with you on that. You mentioned Tyler Lockett. He was one of the guys who missed a significant amount of time on Sunday with what looked to be initially, just from my view on the sidelines and the conversations that he was having with trainers and being on the table, looked to be a lot more serious than it is because he came back into the game. Where are we at injury-wise? It's not just Tyler Lockett. It's also Doug Baldwin. A couple of guys getting bumped and bruised in that game. Yeah, definitely, you know, physical team and that was a physical game and some guys came out of it beat up unfortunately for Baldwin it was actually Thomas Ra or uh, Kristen Michael kind of running up his legs on one of his better runs where you know Seahawks receivers are part of the blocking game and unfortunately he was blocking a guy and got fallen into but he seems to be okay he he told us today you know barring a setback he's playing um, they both practiced yesterday which is encouraging but they they came out of that game nicked up I, I don't think it's so much going to be they had injuries in that game that our guys aren't going to play this week. It's more just our guys going to be a little beat up and limited in practice, and how will that affect them Sunday? But sounds like just about everybody other than the guys who have been out, we don't know yet about a Fetty. He's got a chance, but we don't know about him, Nick Manette. But all those other guys, I think, you know, they'll be a little nicked up, but they'll play. And it is just – it goes to depth as you get deeper into the season, right? It's one of the reasons they brought back Casey Williams on the practice squad, yeah, just in case exactly. one of these guys turns out to be worse. In the yeah, game. and that's, I mean, you see them, they made a roster move yesterday with Will Tukwafu getting released. They didn't fill that spot immediately, which to me, that would say there's a, enough guys they're not quite sure of that they just want to wait and see. And, you know, you, 
you practice all week with all those practice squad guys, and then depending on what position group might need some depth, you can make that call Saturday. You mentioned Will Tukuafu, who was the fullback last week. The Seahawks used him a fair amount last year, and they brought him back, and it was kind of a contract deal, and you don't have to guarantee his contract after that week one. Here's what surprised me. When I went back and looking at some of those run runs and, and the yardage on the ground, when the Seahawks have used a fullback, they have gained zero rushing yards. Yeah, that's not ideal. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for when they're more spread out in a, in a passing look. Teams aren't stacking the box, and that's where maybe there's a little more room to run. And, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to give up on power running. That's been part of who they are. And they, they won't have a true fullback this week, it sounds like. But they'll still line up with some fullback and do some stuff. But right now, the way things have been going through the run game, it just seems they're a little better when they've spread it out a little bit. Well, and the numbers show that, too. They're averaging over four yards a carry when they've got three or more wide receivers and they choose to run the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's less than three yards when they are running two and three tight end sets, which you would think is the exact opposite. There's got to be more risk to your wide receivers if you're going to run the ball out of that type of set. But can we expect to see more of that in the next couple of weeks to get it going? Quite possibly. This could also go a little bit back to the the quality of your opponent's lines, where if you're facing a team with more of a suspect front seven, you can just power up and figure you're going to overpower them. Rams and Dolphins aren't easy teams to just load up tight ends and fullbacks and overpower, so you, you lose some of those matchups, and that's what we saw. So, I, But, yeah, I mean, and another thing, I mean, we saw it last year, too. They're going to do more what, 11 personnel, one tight end, one back, three receivers. They're going to do more of that because they really like their three receivers. Tyler Lockett came on last year. It was playing so well, it's just hard to get him off the field. So it, their offense has a lot of times been at their best that way, and I think we'll see more of it. Yeah, and they have a lot of tr a lot of trust in their wide receivers. Yeah, they do. It, which, you know, it sounds like a really funny thing to say, and why wouldn't you trust your guys? But, you know, those are tight windows. you got to be able to win those one-on-one -on -one battles, and, and the Seahawks have the guys that they like at that position. You know the other thing that would help this offense that we have not touched on yet? Field position? Field position. I read your if mind. they could start. You know, outside their outside, own 20, yeah, that I would gonna, help. I was going to say 25, but even that's a stretch that's a right now. That's a big ask. <laughs> yeah, it I is. Mean, why is it so – Tell everybody why this is such a point of emphasis. Yeah, so their average starting position in the opener was the 22-yard line. Not great, but it turned out a lot better than the second game when the average start was their own 17. They had 10 possessions against the Rams. Seven of those 10 were inside the 20. The rest were at the 25 on touchbacks. And it's just it's so hard, I mean, for any offense, but especially one that, in the case of the Seahawks right now, is struggling a little bit to get going because we saw it in that game. You can put a drive together where you – you get three first downs, you maybe move 30 yards, and if you have decent field position, that gets you three points. You do that a couple times, that's a different ball game. But it, when you are when you have to consistently gain 60 yards to even kick a field goal, it gets really hard to score points. And the thing is, when you look at the offensive categories in both week one and week two, the Seahawks have it. They've beaten their opponents in every offensive statistical category. They've gotten time of possession. They're just exhausted by the time you get anywhere close to the red zone. Yeah, and I mean, like Pete Carroll said this, NFL defense is this hard. I mean, there's good players on every team, and you you ask them to have to go, just keep going, get first down, first down, first down. That A defense is going to get off the field eventually if you give them that many opportunities to stop you. And it's, 
you know, it, it, it just shows that game against the Rams just showed how one or two plays can make such a big difference on field position where, you know, maybe the Seahawks would back the Rams up and they just hit that one pass and it didn't, it didn't lead to points. They didn't go down and score. They didn't kick a field goal or anything, but they just hit that one 20 yard pass. Now they're pinning you inside the 20 instead of punting to your 40 yard line. Right. And so that's what I was just going to ask. This cannot just come down to special teams because there isn't necessarily room out there. And when Tyler Lockett went out, your returner, your top returner, now you've got Paul Richardson and Richard Sherman who just don't have that same skill set as Tyler. So where else are you making up the ground? And is there more that can be done in the return game? I think so, but it's, you know, I don't think it's fair with Tyler Lockett in there to ask these other. You just mostly want them to be safe. If you're the punt returner, fair catch it. If you're the kick returner, take a knee, which which Parson should have done at the end of the half. Pete Carroll said that, and that cost him some yards. But anyway, you know, it's on everybody. The special teams could do a little more in the return game. There's maybe a punt or two they could have covered better, although they were pretty solid there. The offense can obviously affect field position just by moving a little bit, and then then you can pin them deep when you pump. But the defense, as well as they played, I've I've heard a couple of defensive players say that this week is they could have made a difference there. Where, as I was saying, it just seemed like every time they'd pin them deep with a punt, they just hit that one pass play that all of a sudden they go from inside the ten or inside the twenty to somewhere near you know the thirty forty midfield and. Again, it didn't usually lead to points for the Rams, but that made all the difference in the world of field position. You know, the other thing the defense was upset about that we touched on a few minutes ago, they haven't forced a turnover. And they – I was surprised, actually, at how how frustrated they were over that. Tough to do in a game like the Rams because they're not taking – these deep shots downfield really hard to cause you know an interception or a turnover on five and seven yard passes it is and we've seen i think really going back to 2014 and especially last year teams have started to get more conservative offensively just because you know they realize you go back and look at the 2013 season 39 takeaways that's a crazy number yeah. but teams are just more afraid to push the ball down the field with what earl thomas can do with what those cornerbacks can do and then, you know, until the offense really gets going, that affects it too because so many of those turnovers happen when you're ahead. And if you, if the Rams had been down late in that game where they got to throw it down the field, there's a good chance we've seen a turnover. We, the pass rush has been good, and that can affect lead to turnovers as well. So if the offense can maybe get going a little bit, that'll help force, off, force opposing teams to, to take some shots. Are you concerned about the defense and not no. having the turnovers? No, no, I'm really not. I mean – when you do what they've done, as long as they've done it, and so many of the core guys are around, if they were giving up a bunch of long drives and points and not getting the turnovers, then yeah, that's concerning. But they've, I mean, they've barely been scored on. They've given up one touchdown. I think the turnovers are going to come. It's it's cliche, but you hear guys say they come in bunches, and it's true. And I, you know, whether it's this week or next week, week after that, there's going to be a game where the Seahawks have a lead and force an opponent to throw on them, and and they're going to you know, get a couple turnovers, a sack fumble, and all of a sudden they'll they'll have five turnovers and we won't remember this conversation. That's right. That's right, because it is a small sample size, which leads to numbers that look, I think, more inflated than they really are or more serious than yeah. they are. How much of how much of all of this conversation just because it's week three and you don't have a large sample size? Exactly. Yet? I mean it, it's so hard to look at stats and take much meaning out of we're talking two out of 16 games some of it's more relevant than others and there's there's stuff we can certainly take away from it but it's ultimately just it's two games they're one and one it's not exactly where they want to be but like pete carroll said monday 
the entire NFC West is one and one. There's two two and zero teams in the NFC, so everything's yeah. still out there. They they dug out an zero and two hole last year. They were one and one a couple years ago. They were fine. It's this is a team that historically under Pete Carroll finishes a lot better. It starts their November December record is a lot better. So yeah, you'd love to have gotten that one more drive and be two and zero, but nobody's really freaking out about what they're seeing. Yeah, their schedule gets really tough in the second half of the season, which is when you want to see everybody yeah. come on, which is what their mo is. I remember you looked at the schedule last year. All those road games, all those playoff teams from the year before, and everyone thought, boy. They're going to just have to tread water at the end of the season and make hay early, and they did the exact opposite. They dominated what looked like the hardest part of their schedule. Yeah. We have not even talked about this week's opponent, so let's spend like two minutes talking about the 49ers. There is a new coaching staff in place, but we're familiar with Chip Kelly, both from being at the University of Oregon and then most recently with Philadelphia. Quickly, John, how similar can we expect the Niners to look to Philly versus the Niners we're used to seeing? It'll, I think it'll look a lot more like Philly than the Niners we're used to seeing. But it's, it's always, you know, A, Chip Kelly's, you know, he, he, coaches evolve a little bit and they change things as they evolve in their careers. But B, it's different personnel. But he's still going to do what he wants to do. I talked to Bobby Wagner and he said, you know, it looks a lot like what they saw when they played the Eagles in 2014. Just different personnel, obviously. So they're going to try to go fast. They're going to go up tempo. They want to, you know, they'll spread it out and try to run out of that. They'll They'll try to just get a lot of plays on you. It's not super complicated because you can't run a really complex playbook that fast. So it's just, you know, if you defend, get off the field, get some three and outs so they can't wear the defense out, I think they'll be fine. Carlos Hyde, Vance McDonald, those are your two key make, uh, key. I think makers. so. I mean, Torrey Smith was, was their guy last year, and we saw Richard Sherman match up on him and pretty effectively shut him down those games. So if we assume we're going to see that matchup again and Sherman's going to sort of neutralize him, then, yeah, those are – those are the playmakers. Vance McDonald is a guy that, you know, he was sort of the more heralded Rice tight end ahead of Luke Wilson and didn't do a lot there early in his career. But he, he had a strong season last year, and he's two touchdowns already, including a 75-yarder. So he'll be a guy to watch. Carlos Hyde's been a pretty effective back so far. And then you know, Blaine Gabbert, he, he got kind of beat around early in his career, and people knocked him a little bit. But he's been a solid quarterback for them, and I think he's that quarterback or that system can be very quarterback-friendly. But they will have to do all of this in front of the 12s, which gives the Seahawks a distinct advantage in week three as they look to push their record to two and one. That'll do it for this week's edition of Seahawks Insiders with John Boyle and Jen Mueller. Make sure that you uh, keep checking out what Seahawks.com has to offer. Lots of cool stuff throughout the week and on game day. We will see you next week.